0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Hour two of the program in just a little bit. We'll hear from Sarah Bishop, who covers the Texans for ESPN's NFL Nation as we go around NFL training camp. And then we have a two-part interview with Tim Brando, national sports commentator and play-by-play voice for Fox Sports. We talk a little LSU, but I was very intrigued to discuss with him what he believes, and frankly, I believe, and talked about it on the show, is a relevancy crisis in college football outside of the South, outside of SEC territory. And just pulling back the curtains a little bit, I planned about an eight-minute chat with Tim. It turned into a 20-minute conversation because of how passionate Tim Brando was. So stay tuned for that. We'll have part one at 9.20, and we'll have part two at about 9.35. First, though... Let's go back inside NFL training camp when we finish off the AFC South with the Texans. And it's the Saints opener, their opponent in the opener anyways, that we discussed tonight, the Houston Texans. Again, Sarah Bishop, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Texans, joins us at Sarah Barship. I'm, I am apologize, Sarah. Sarah Barship, at Sarah Barship on Twitter. Sarah, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How
1: about you? I, look, I'm great. Uh, training camp is about over here. You, you, they're shutting it down tomorrow there too?
0: Yeah, they're done. After the Lions game, they played them Saturday. They've kind of eased in to the – they've started moving practice back a little later. The practice seemed to be more preparing and game planning. So I think we've ended the at least outdoor portion of training camp, which I'm sure you know – is
1: much, a very big relief. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes it is. We're, we're fighting that humidity today. It's, well, really all camp long, there. It's just gross. It's really gross. I know the Saints and Texans have practiced together before. I think the Texans were here last year, not doing that this year. Um, Deshaun Watson's certainly a guy that I've been watching a lot. The entire NFL's watching a lot. I think he's way underrated by the average NFL fan. What's he look like in camp? You know, he
0: looks... He the connection he and DeAndre Hopkins has, if you can believe it, has looked even better than it did during the regular season. You know, he didn't have to spend this offseason rehabbing. He was able to work with his receivers, Hopkins, Will Fuller, Kiki Cutie, and so I think that's made a difference. Now, until we see what he looks like in a real game with this offensive line, it's hard to say. But from at least the drills he's been doing with the receiver, he's looked really good.
1: Bill O'Brien certainly has been a guy that has gotten this team to playoff relevancy and consistent competitiveness there, getting them back to the playoffs. Are fans kind of itching for Bill O'Brien to take this team to the next level? Is, has he got a lot of leeway there, or is it one of the situations, maybe like a, I don't know, Marvin Lewis or Andy Reid, where eventually you got to start uh, providing championships?
0: Yeah, I mean, this franchise has never been to an AFC championship game. And there's been a lot of playoff you know chances, like you said, they lost to a division rival last year in the playoffs. They got blown out by the Colts. And I think fans are tired of seeing that. You know, the only playoff win under Bill O'Brien was against the Raiders and that was against Connor Cook, their third string quarterback. So there's definitely a desire in Houston for them to start winning. After the Texans started 0-3 last year, certainly around Houston, they were called for Bill O'Brien to be fired. Now, I don't think that would have ever happened because he had not even entered the first year of his extension yet. But I think definitely from the fans in the city, there is a desire to at least win a playoff game.
1: Is he on the hot seat then, Sarah?
0: You know, I would have said earlier this offseason, I would have said absolutely not. But after watching Brian Gain get fired, I think it's hard to rule anything out. I mean, Cal McNair has clearly shown he wants to win now. And I think if Bill O'Brien doesn't get it done to McNair's satisfaction, I don't think you can rule out him getting fired. Now, I still think it's unlikely. And I, I think this team... Even if they're not a playoff team, I do think they're going to have enough success that they're probably not going to fire their head coach. But I think even my answer now looks different than it did at the beginning of the offseason.
1: Yeah, that's what training camp preseason is for, right? Change your answer. We're allowed to do that. I think we're allowed to do that. Uh, I've, I've been covering your uh, – covering. I've been following your work and your coverage of the Jettin, I mean, Clowney situation on ESPN for the last few weeks. What's the latest there? It sounds like he's – look, they're trying to dump him, trying to find a suitable trading partner.
0: You know, that's been the talk, and I just have a hard time – I mean, look, it absolutely could happen, but given how difficult it will be to, one, find a trading partner, a team that has enough cap space in the future that they could sign into that long-term deal, especially because right now the deadline's passed, the Rangers' Tag deadline's passed, so this team would have to wait until the offseason anyway to sign him. I think that makes it difficult to consider giving up a lot of pieces, um, and I – You know, maybe the Texans, if they get the opportunity to get talent, a left tackle, maybe, who can help them immediately. I don't think you can rule it out, especially because he hasn't reported yet. But I think inside the building, they understand how good Jadevi Conny is, how he's an elite player, and how it's really hard to let a player like that walk, even if you don't think you're going to be able to sign him to a long-term deal.
1: Finally, Sarah, what are the baseline expectations for this franchise here? If they don't hit that mark, they're really a season disappointment.
0: I think it's a playoff win. I mean, they made it to the playoffs under Bill O'Brien, like we talked about. They won the division last year. I think you've got to take a step forward, and I think you've got to win a playoff game. And I think everyone in that franchise knows it. Cal McNair said before the season, he told Bill O'Brien, he said, there are things you have to do in order to make this season a success. Bill wouldn't tell us what those were, but I find it hard to believe that a playoff win wouldn't be on that list.
1: She's Sarah Barship, and look, great work at ESPN's NFL Nation. Been covering all the uh, – watching her coverage of the Jevion Clowney situation, certainly Deshaun Watson and everything there. I suggest you follow her at Sarah Barship. Sarah, really appreciate the time tonight. Uh, Last-minute call, by the way. Really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, great talking
1: to you. All right, thanks so much. Inside NFL Training Camp in Houston in the books. We'll take a break. We're back with Tim Brando, two-part sit-down with him on the last lap is college football facing a relevancy crisis outside of the sec outside of the south of course that's something that tim brando has been very passionate about i had a chance to talk to tim brando it's a two-part interview we'll play part one here part two a little later this hour here's our conversation my conversation with tim brando will continue in 60 seconds that it is my conversation with Tim Brando, a two-parter right there, and you heard over the last 20, 25 minutes just to – I'm going to use the word again, passionate he is about the sport of college football. He's not calling out what he sees and I see as a relevancy crisis outside the South because he likes bashing the sport, or likes bashing the SEC. Remember, he's from Louisiana, folks. No, it's because he loves the sport and he wants to see it flourish and succeed and I do too, it's going to take an 18 playoff. It's going to take more than just that. There's no doubt about it. And it, it, when I talk about relevancy, I'll just speak for myself here, I'm not talking about, well, all this, all the talent in high school and in college is kind of conglomerated down here in the SEC and some parts of the ACC, maybe a, a team or two elsewhere. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about ratings. I'm talking about eyeballs on televisions, ears, listening to college football broadcasts on the radio. Got to fix it. Got to fix it. And if you leave it up to the people who are making money, I think was Tim's point, the people who are making lots of money off college football, Greg Sankey, college presidents, Big Ten commissioner, ACC, These head coach is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's got to come from the people who want this sport to succeed and are very passionate about it. Well, And, and I love it. And I love it. I'd love to hear from you on this, 504-260-1870. That's our phone number, 504-260-1870, our text line, 870-870. We'll take your calls and texts on this when we come back on the last lap. A very good conversation with Tim Brando. We'll have that on the podcast in just a little bit. Some texts coming in, one from the 985. Somebody give this man a Nobel Peace Prize. Hashtag make college football great again. There you go. Kind of how I feel as well. To the phone lines we go. We'll go to Tom in New Orleans. Tom, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, great show. Great piece, too. I think Brando's a genius. I mean, I really do. I think he's one of the best in the business. And why CBS and ESPN don't have him covering the SEC is beyond me. But there you go. Hey, listen, I'm an Alabama fan. I don't want to see Alabama Clemson again. But the way it's set up right now, you're always going to have two teams from the SEC, just are. Would you agree
1: with that? You just are. Well, well no, I wouldn't say always, but I would say no, – okay, it, it le- are, are you talking it's about – Are you talking about – but, Tom, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you talking about two teams from the SEC in the playoff? Yes. Well, yes. I mean, they didn't happen last year.
2: No, but, I mean, I think the chances for that – I should say the chances for that happening are, high. Uh, are better than any other – Sure, okay, yes.
1: Right? I'll agree with you there, yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, if LSU has one loss, it's to Alabama, they're in. As long as there's not an undefeated Ohio State, an undefeated Oklahoma – you know so forth, and yes, so on. I agree with you. I mean, over the last couple of years, the committee has tried to prop up Notre Dame, they've tried to prop up uh Miami, and it's not going to happen. It's real college football has, has has really evolved into five teams, and and right now it's Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. There's nobody from the Pac 12 that's going to get involved. Michigan is never going to get I mean, do you, does anybody believe in Michigan now? See, and that's the problem. And Clemson, the ACC, is so bad. You know, Roger Federer made a great comment one time. He said, you know, winning a championship is one thing or, or getting to number one in, in, the, in the world is one thing. But staying number one is completely different. And Florida State and Miami have fell so hard so fast. I don't see them getting back anytime soon. I say time soon. I mean maybe eight, nine years. And Alabama went through this, if you remember. Yeah. When, you know, they went through a period of about ten years where they were – they were okay. Dubose won a championship. They were okay. But they were mediocre until they got saving. Now, will Florida get back at some Florida State get back? I think so. I don't think Miami ever does. But the way the system is right now, the SEC is so strong. The Big 12 is so strong. You're always going to have those two teams. And I, I, I think more than likely you're, you're going to have a, a Big Ten team every other year. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, and, and look,
1: and Tom, I think you make really good points here. we got to get to other callers, but – I agree with almost everything you said there. And it's not the SEC's problem necessarily because they're making money hand over fist. They get one or two teams in this playoff every single year, like you mentioned. I mean, the system benefits them. Like Tim Brando said, it benefits the SEC and the programs to only schedule eight games because there's no repercussions for it now. Carter Bryant's on the show every week, nearly every week during college football season. He and I are ranting about... Well, how bogus it is that other conferences across the country, big conferences, play nine conference games, and the SEC somehow gets away with playing eight. It's it's, it's silly. From you know a, a holistic perspective of the sport, makes a lot of sense from the SEC program's perspective because they benefit from it. It doesn't benefit college football fans as a whole from coast to coast. Thanks for the call. We'll go to Pierre and Gentilly, a little change up here, Pierre. I, th- I think you want to talk Saints. Go ahead.
2: About Drew Brees, uh,
1: Seth. Sure, go ahead.
2: Um, I know I've seen, uh, like, uh, want to say a few days ago they were doing, the, um, Fantasy Football League or whatever. They had the top fantasy football quarterbacks. hmm. Drew Brees is not on that list.
1: Yes, you know yeah, why that, season,
2: that is, though? Seems to me that you know, he. For some reason, he hasn't, he's been disrespected this offseason. I, I don't Do
1: you think, you no, 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 no. Now, Pierre, I would be the first to come on this show and say, oh, it's outrageous how Drew Brees was disrespected because of X, Y, or Z. I've, I've done it a lot. But in this case, Pierre, remember last year, under 4,000 yards for the first time here with the Saints, not his usual touchdown numbers. So, from a fantasy perspective, he shouldn't be at the top of those draft charts.
2: But do you feel like it was a hundred percent on him why he dropped,
1: you know, no, 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 no. It's not on him. And in fact, I think that it was good that they had the balance on offense of Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, the production there. It waned off a little towards the end of the season. They relied more on their defense, but I think that having Drew Brees only, you know, needing to throw for four thousand, you know, forty five hundred yards a year, don't you think that's that's better if you got the balance from AK? Right. And I mean
2: I'm excited to see him for this third preseason game. I think he does need some time, but I think you know going into the season, he's going to you know go to change a lot of minds that uh, you know seem to have uh, you know lost trust
1: in him. Yeah, or he could. He, no, that Pierre, he could. He probably will. Anybody who thinks Drew Brees is going to turn into the second coming of Peyton Manning's, I don't know, disastrous last season and a half. I don't think so. I haven't seen any signs of that at all. But we will see Drew, according to Sean Payton. Yes, as Pierre referenced against the New York Jets on Saturday. Sean telling us today during his post-practice press conference that Drew will play, and that is the plan. That's kind of been the plan the last few years with Sean and Drew. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion pulled back to Brando. Well, he says college football is suffering from a relevancy crisis outside of the South. Is he right? Right now 76% of you are saying yes. Surprises me a little bit in the heart of SEC country. But I agree with the majority. I agree with Tim. You can cast your votes at WWL.com or the radio.com app. Back on the last lap after this. Well, kickoff of football season with the Hudat Nation Rally and Music Festival is just a couple of weeks away. It's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on se- September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Good food, great music. We told you, big-time family fun at LaSalle Park in Metairie. You're going to listen to this lineup. Oh, man. The Producers, Cowboy Mouth, Supercharger, New Power Generation, The Family Stone, The Top Cats, and more. Plus, a special tribute Friday night honoring Dr. John, Art Neville, Fats, and all the legends we've lost. Irma Thomas, Renard Poche, Deacon John, and others are going to perform on that night. You can get your tickets now for the official Who At Rally and Music Fest presented by Bud Light. On a separate note, if you want to attend one or both of our VIP shows at the Jefferson Performing Arts Center, you can get your tickets now before they are sold out. That's the guests who on Saturday the 7th from 530 to 645 and Blood, Sweat, and Tears on Sunday, September 8th, same time.